ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dudes, NWI Steve and Tony on Tap. And we're here to talk White Sox baseball. But before we do that, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap and on Tap Sportsnet. Follow my dude Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Follow my dude Tony at Tony on Tap. Follow me at Buzz on Tap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So be sure to give us a five-star rating and review because that shit is cool and tough. Guys, before we get into baseball, that was so fancy. I just, I, I just, I loved every second of that. I was just like this fucking dramatic, you know, countdown. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man. It just, it just, I felt like Jericho was coming out, Steve. I felt like it was Jericho. Like I just wanted to break through and be like this, but you know, that was, that was awesome. So how, how you doing, Steve, man? What's going on? Hey, yo boys. It's good to, good to be here and good to talk some ball. Finally, you know, we're a couple days out from pitchers and catchers. Let's fucking go. Hell yeah. Tony. Buzz, man, I'm just ready to crack up and talk White Sox baseball with you guys. We're getting really close. We're getting really fucking close here, like Steve said. So I'm I'm getting excited. It's uh it feels almost not real. I'll, I'll put it that way. How are you yeah, doing, Buzz? I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, <clears throat> been rolling with the Bulls on taps. Um, you know, just patiently waiting for White Sox baseball to come back. And you know, we see it, man. We we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Pitchers and catchers reporting this week. Wasn't Friday like the last Friday without baseball? So like for for a long time, which is going to be great. Um, hopefully, you know, with everything going on, we can get back into the stands. But we'll touch on that at some point or another. But I mean, shit, guys, we have to start with like the hottest thing that we haven't got to touch on. Because Steve, you and I recorded like the last wasn't the last day of January, I think. I don't even know if it was February. I can't remember. But um, this was not out yet. The Pakoda projections. And and Steve, I got to start with you on these things, man. Like what? What did you think of all that? Like, the Sox were slated to have 83 wins, 79 losses. Um, you know, a lot of people were very upset with that. And I know you're usually very level-headed where I would like to go hit something with a baseball bat because that would piss me off. And I know you usually be the one to talk me down. So how, uh, how, how do you feel about that? Well, yeah, you're right. People were definitely mad online when they saw those projections. Um, look, here's the thing that I feel a lot of people don't seem to understand. Pakoda is not a person. Pakoda is a computer-generated algorithm that utilizes inputs to simulate a season, you know, a, a million times, and it just, you know, gives out what is the most likely projection based on those million simulations. The thing that I feel a lot of people are not taking into account here is that Pakoda can't understand certain things. It can't understand Dylan Cease making a tweak to his delivery or, or making a tweak to his pitch arsenal. It can't take into account how Yohan Mankata's body is going to recover from, you know, having COVID last year. It can't account for these types of things. And so I feel like people just look at these projections and they lose their goddamn minds every fucking year with this shit. And you would think by now as a fan base, we would understand, Hey, you know what? The projections have been wrong about the Sox quite a bit over the last 15 years. Just take them for what they are. They're simple projections. And if you go back and if you look historically, has Pakoda gotten stuff right? Yes, it absolutely has. But Pakoda's also gotten a lot of stuff wrong. And I, I was looking at some, some stuff on the old Twitter machine a couple days ago. Back in 2015, which was a terrible year when the Kansas Shitty Royals won the World Series, Pakoda had them going 71-91. and 91. Okay, and they won the fucking World Series. So people, relax. 
It's a computer algorithm. They're going to play the fucking games. So here's my thing on, on Pakoda is, is the same computer algorithms, Steve, aren't these the same computer algorithms that a lot of the, you know, as, as Johnny or myself would like to say that the stat cult relies on to make the predictions for war and, and fan graphs and stuff too, because I feel like there's this whole subset of people out there who live and die by the stats during the year and the projections. And then when these stats come out, people jump, jump off their chairs and say, why are, why are we only going to get 83 wins? Well, I'm just questioning. You're more an expert on this than I am, but something doesn't smell right to me. Tony, stats and and projections are are two totally different things. I mean, you know, looking at advanced, you know, statistical information, it's just not the same thing as as what a projection model would, would be. Again, the, the model is going to utilize inputs. And what it's basically going to do is it's going to look and, and try to look at what players have done to this point in their career. And it's also going to look at guys that don't have a lot of, of major league service time. It's going to look at what they did in the minor leagues, and it's going to try to find comparable players to what those guys did. And then based off of that information there, maybe make some tweaks here and there, depending on the algorithm and who is releasing it, whether it's fan graphs or baseball prospectus, you know, what have you, everybody has their kind of own proprietary sauce, so to speak on it. And it's just, it's not the same as looking at, you know, weighted on base average or, or looking at, um, you know, expected, um, you know, fielder independent pitching, th- things like that. I mean, they're just, they're two different things really. And I think, I think a lot of people are kind of trying to blend the two together when it just really isn't the case. I think that was pretty informational there. I love the comment we got here from Brandon Stokes, fuck Dakota and the horse it rode in on. So that's going to sit there on the bottom of the screen for just a few more minutes while we talk about this. But were you guys shocked to see that the Cubs had a better projection than the White Sox. Is that something that you think that people are a little bit more up in arms about than they should be? Oh, I mean, yeah. Again, like Steve said, it's a it's a projection. I mean, I do believe that there is a virus that got into the computer system known as Pakoda and taught it how to hate the White Sox. I think that is probably something that happened. Um, of course, I kid, but I can give two shits about it. To be honest with you, like I don't really care. Like Steve said, they're going to play the games. You know, at first when I saw it, I was like, God damn it, man. Like, you know, I just, I think I was more upset because of what I was going to see on Twitter. You know, does that make sense? Like I knew everybody was going to start fucking fighting about it. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's no doubt. You suck. This is because Zach Collins is the backup catcher. Like we're going to fuck, fuck this, burn it down. Like that's what I thought. Can can we, would it be White Sox Twitter if we didn't have a meltdown over everything? I mean, like I was, I was on the, the Twitter machine this morning and we're we're mad right now. We're mad on Twitter.com that we didn't sign Jay Bruce. So that's where we're at right now. Wait, that's a thing? Yes, I saw that this morning. <laughs> that is a real thing. Jay um, fucking Bruce? We yes. talked about, the, we talk about the, we, there the, are, the, same, the same guy that played for the Cincinnati Reds? That, yes, that we're, Jay we're, Bruce? We're, we're talking about people out there that are mad that the White Sox didn't take a flyer on, on, on Jay Bruce. So, you know, I'm just – at this point, like – I don't even know what to say. I mean, it, it would not be Twitter if we weren't getting mad about this shit, no matter what it, it is. It was it was funny. The morning that um, that the Pakoda projections were released, you know, I was up at like 4.30 in the morning. I was eating breakfast, and I saw that came out at like 2.30 our time. And I made a tweet, and I made, you know, a rather sarcastic comment about it, you know, something to the effect of, uh, it's, a, it's a tradition as old as time, White Sox fans – bitching about a, about an algorithm and then claiming to hate analytics. 
a I tale just, as old as time. I just don't know why people get got so bent out of shape about it, you know. And uh, like I said, man, I, I'm not I'm not holding much weight into it. I saw what this team could do last year, and then if you look at if you get down like into the nitty gritty of some of the projections, and you look at like how you said, Steve, with Yohan Mankata and like his like I mean just I mean like underperformance of it'd be very bad. Like if he played that way and you said it's an algorithm of what he did before you can't take into a into account what COVID did to him I mean there's something that always flashes in my head when we bring up Yoan Mankata it was the game last year what was it he hit a triple or he ran he ran it from first and he got home and then Ricky was waving him off in the dugout you guys know what I'm talking about like and he was all just so out of it and you know he's 20 what four years old 25 years old it shouldn't happen to him he was affected in a negative way by COVID so like the algorithm's not going to pick that up, like you said, and they're just going to kind of, you know, whatever numbers are projected or whatever numbers are projected. I think he's going to do a lot better than that. I think that even if Andrew Vaughn is the DH of this team, shout out Jordan Miller, who always tells me that this guy's got like, you know, he's going to be the truth. He's going to be good. He's got a very advanced bat. Because I had, you know, Steve, I think you were on this thread with me too. I had, uh, you know, voiced some concern like, man, I was like, I just, I don't like Russian prospects because I feel scarred from it. A little bit, but everybody's saying how good his bat is. Um, you know, it, it won't really won't be a problem. But they had him severely underperforming as well. Like, I mean, batting like two twenty, and from what the kid's been talked about, is having a great eye at the plate, great plate discipline. He would, I mean, he'll take the pitches, he'll walk, and he can hit. We heard that about Zach Collins too. Too well, talk, you know what? Yeah. Zach Collins is in the hold show, on. motherfucker. So hold how on, about hold, that? Hold hold on here. Here's <laughs> the key difference between Zach Collins. And, and Andrew Vaughn. And I say this as someone that would much rather see someone else be the DH to start the season than Andrew Vaughn. But the key difference between the two is Andrew Vaughn was a Golden Spikes Award winner, which was given to the best college-based baseball player. And going into the draft, there were people who follow collegiate baseball closely on a day-to-day -day basis that said Andrew Vaughn has the most advanced collegiate bat since Chris Bryant. That's a key difference right there. No, I'm just I'm just saying I, the, the the exact words that came out of Buzz's mouth were the same stuff that I heard about Zach Collins coming up. I think that uh, that Vaughn's profile is a little bit different. Um, I'm excited to see him hit. We saw him in uh, extended spring training last year. I was really excited to see him maybe get a shot. I don't know though. I think at least from where I'm standing. I don't know if he's the guy that we want in the lineup day in day out without any data about him without any sort of knowing of what he's going to be at the major league level right now. Um, you know, he didn't get a full year of baseball played last year. He was on that, uh, on that taxi squad, uh, you know, extended stuff that they had going on up in, uh, what was that Schaumburg? So I, I really would be more comfortable if we see him, you know, maybe spend some time at double a triple a and get a bit more of a profile. Just that's where I'm at with it. Although, you know, the, the college experience and what we saw him do against major league pitching and some of that extended spring training last year, you never know. Uh, I guess we have to go into spring training and see what he does. Well, double A gets a late start, too. Am I correct on that, Steve? I mean, that that's, gets a late start. So, I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, unfortunately, where he's at right now and what he's projected to do is to be the opening day designated hitter. And, you know, I'm going to obviously you support the kid. You know, he's going to be here. You're going to support him. You're going to hope he performs well. Obviously, you want him to perform well for more reasons than one. First, you know, first round draft pick, number one, number two, we're in a competitive, what we hope to be a very competitive year. So you want him to perform. I mean, and I'm not giving like, this is something that got misconstrued also 
was, you know, like me basically being all in with Vaughn being the DH now is because I know they're not going to go get anybody else. I've been crying and bitching about Puig forever. I was talking about Brad Miller. I know I'm not going to get my fucking way, but I'd be, I wish they would have done something, but how it looks right now is that he will be the DH and I just, I want him to do well. And you know, like all, all the facts that, you know, Steve brought up, you know, golden spice winner. He, he was the most advanced bat in the draft when we took him, hopefully it all pans out and it works out. But Andrew Vaughn reminds me of Paul Goldschmidt type bat with a little less power from Joe Coolman 24. Okay. Well, if that were to be the fucking case, like sign me up, bro. Shit. I'll take Paul Goldschmidt on the sell side any day of the week. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see though, as we get Andrew Vaughn into the lineup, if they shift a Brayu to DH role more, you know, Brayu has stated a few times. He doesn't like playing DH. He likes being at first base more often. Uh, we'll have to see how the glove plays out too, because I think that's another storyline here. Will you see Andrew Vaughn start to shift and, and split 50-50 time with him? Will he just be a DH? Uh, I think that that's another discussion and storyline that we have to watch throughout the year. Steve, any any thoughts on that one? I think it's pretty likely that Abreu will see the bulk of the time at first base, in in my opinion. Um, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe like a 65-35 split would be something like my my guess uh, from that standpoint. You know, maybe just give Abreu maybe like one or two days a week to kind of be off his feet a little bit. Although a lot of people famously say that he's just annoying as shit when he's DHing and he's just in the dugout constantly and and not out there in the field. So we'll see how we'll see how Tony LaRusa handles that. And, and look, it's going to be a little bit different now because um, Abreu's not going to be playing for a guy that's af- going to be afraid to call his mom and tell him, hey, I'm giving your son a day off. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that uh, Tony LaRusse is really afraid of Jose Abreu's mom the way Ricky Renteria was. That's a good point there, Steve. Uh, you know, uh, Sale brings up another good point here. Grandal's going to see some games at first as well. Uh, there's nothing wrong with depth at the position. Uh, you know, the, the backup catcher uh, role is another thing that we got to talk about here. Um, you know, is Zach Collins going to start the year as a backup catcher? We also had a recent signing of uh, Lucroy, uh, and uh, I don't think we've really talked much about that one either. Uh, I'll send that one over to you guys. Uh, Boz, what's your thoughts on, on the Lucroy signing? Oh, Lucroy's a good signing. I mean, he, he's a good pitch framer. Um, you know, he's not the greatest. He doesn't have the biggest power behind the plate when he's batting, but I mean, he's not, he, it's a good signing, but I don't think he's signed a minor league deal. We'll see what spring training brings, but right now I'm assuming that it's going to be Collins. Unless, unless Tony LaRusa goes off swag. If he goes off swag, it's definitely Yerman Mercedes. Did you see what he was wearing to Glendale today? He had like two hanging earrings, badass glasses. Like I would, I might start him over Grandal just because of what he was wearing. Is that bad? That's bad. That's see, that's why I'm not a Hall of Fame manager. That's why I'm not even a manager. I mean, You're not so a Hall of Fame baseball person. I'm not a Hall of Fame anything. <laughs> but I will say, I think your beard's your beard's getting close to the Hall of Fame. I mean, dude, I, the beard. I, we I talked tri- about this. I trimmed it up real nice this weekend. He's working on his too over there. Man, I know. See, I gotta get salt in mine too. I, I no, no, no. See, you you don't you don't want that, man. It, look, listen. This is a very sore subject here. Are we you know? are we like looking for a just for men sponsorship for <laughs> for socks on tap this year? <laughs> Shit, listen, I was I was told that if I uh, started utilizing it again, that I would be single real quick. So who knows? Oh boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Apparently, for some reason, the fucking women like this shit. I don't know. I fucking hate it. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I, and and I'm very bitter about it. If you can't tell, I mean, my dad literally did not have a single gray hair until he was in his mid fifties. Here I am. I can't even get to forty without dealing with this shit. 
Oh, dude, I just well, I so badly want gray in my beard because it brings, no, you don't. It brings, it brings wisdom, Steve, and I'm an idiot, so I need something. <laughs> okay, like I need something. Yeah, we've already designated Steve the smartest man on this podcast today. Oh, we got, we got, we got problems then. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. But uh, back to the catcher thing, you know, yeah, dude, like it's gonna be Collins. I think, I think Luke Roy was great, and mate, I mean, do you think that it's gonna be Luke Roy? Do you think he's the backup? I do, I do think it's gonna be Luke Roy. Right off the bat. Yes, I do. And I, uh, my honest opinion is I think it's going to be Luke and I think Zach Collins is going to be the opening day DH. That's my honest opinion. Really? So take that for what you will. Um, and I know that's good. Look, a lot of people are going to be mad online about that right there, but I can totally see that being the scenario. You know, I wouldn't be surprised either just for the need to get a left-handed bat in the lineup. And, and Collins does show some power. If Vaughn doesn't break camp with the squad, uh, I can easily see what Steve's saying play out here. I, I have to completely agree. I think you want that veteran presence in, in Luke Roy uh, as your backup catcher on the roster. Uh, he said he wanted to come here and get another chance at a, at a ring. I think this is a Tony LaRusa move through and through, and he wants him there in that backup role. Uh, they'll give Zach Collins a shot, but I think that he's probably your one of your first guys on the short leash uh, down to Charlotte if he doesn't perform right out of the gate. So uh, I think that uh, that they'll, they may carry three right into the season. Uh, I don't think you see Yerman Mercedes just based on swag. Uh, I don't know if Tony Russo is a big up. swag guy, um, but uh, to me, it, it's going to be more buttoned up. You're going to want those veterans playing, um, and you'll see LaCroix get his uh, two, three, starts maybe a week and you'll you'll transition Grandal into the DH or first base role and, and give him a little bit of a break every now and then. That's that's what I see playing out. And uh Kim uh Kimchi Sal NWI Steve PhD. That might win comment of the day. What up Sal? Fuck hell yeah. But I mean I guess I I, I wouldn't be mad either way. I'm be hundred percent honest with you guys. I think that I mean Luke Roy only appeared in one game for Boston last year um in twenty twenty. And then I believe he he was with the Angels in twenty nineteen and then he was traded to the Cubs I think that's how that went down I think he was traded the Cubs but I mean I wouldn't be mad I mean like I said he's uh everything I read on him he's he was actually on my fantasy baseball team for a couple of years too believe it or not um shows you how good my fantasy baseball team was but you know <laughs> I, I think that he's a, it's a good signing for the Sox crack him and uh, I think it's you know like you said good if he is the guy that starts as the backup catcher it's good veteran you know leadership there and if it is Collins is the DH like Steve said and you said, Tony, good, you know, having a left-handed power bat lineup is something we've heard about for like two years now. So for like uh, fifty years now. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, it's very true. But I mean, time's last, a flat circle. Yeah, that's very true. Last two years, that's all we've been here. We need to bring in a lefty bat, so we go get Mazzara, who went to Detroit, by the way. So we get to hate him. We hated him when he was here. Now we hate him again, even worse this time because he's on Detroit. But you know, I wouldn't be mad about that either. You know. I, I, I am truly curious what happens though. So that brings us into spring training and what we're looking for. First of all, do you guys think we're actually going to get to watch any of all the fucking games or is it going to be the bullshit like last year, all this buzz around the team. And then here we are again, they're not gonna be on TV. We have to watch these fucking broadcasts on whitesocks.com or something, you know? Um, but what are you looking for the most out of spring training? What do you want to see? Well, I mean, to answer your first question, look, I think we'll get four spring training games because, listen, we know that NBC Sports Chicago, they have to cater to that vital audience of four or five people that watch, um, and no disrespect here, but that have to watch Missouri Valley women's basketball. I mean, because, listen, that, that Indiana State-Creighton matchup, 
I mean, look, that's a that's a ratings draw right there. So we have to have that on instead of you know spring training, you know, baseball games for for your major league team. Um, but seriously, I mean, as far as far as like things that that watching for here pretty closely um a lot of this really kind of ties into the article that i wrote about ethan katz yesterday um i, I want to see some of these pitchers and, and the couple of guys that i identified in particular dylan cease michael kopech carlos rodon and reynaldo lopez i'm very interested and fascinated to see what happens working with a new pitching coach coming in bringing in a new philosophy here and and seeing if he is able to unlock one of those guys that's the thing i'm going to be watching for the most if you would also like to read about that check out steve's new article at ontapsportsnet.com because it was a fucking great read you got a lot of compliments on that article too saw that every it was a very very good read tony what, what are you expecting here you know, there's a big problem with marketing in Major League Baseball, and this goes beyond just, you know, some of the things that they've tried to do in order to, you know, speed the game up. And we, we've seen a lot of this stuff since uh, since Manfred, but there's there's a big problem with uh, just NBC Sportsnet in general uh, carrying the White Sox here. I mean, this is this is the premier team in Chicago right now. Uh, when you look at the landscape of Chicago sports, I think that the White Sox are definitely up there in the conversation of next team to potentially win a championship. People are interested. People want to tune into spring training White Sox games. We saw last year, uh, obviously in the pandemic year, one of the greatest things was watching exhibition games. Even if they went six innings, I remember tuning into that just because I wanted to watch the White Sox play baseball. It didn't matter if they were playing against themselves or the Cubs or any other of the opponents that they uh, just anything. It, it could have been Lucas Giolito playing MLB The Show. I was tuning into that just because it was so starved for, for baseball content in this White Sox team. It, it's amazing to me just right off the bat that they do not have any sort of coverage just during the day of them just out on the backfields working out and doing player interviews. Send fucking Chuck Garfine out there to interview guys in between, you know, at bats and stuff. There cannot be enough content around this team right now. And I think that that's one thing that uh, is really cool about the White Sox Twitter sphere just in general is that you can get some of that expanded coverage that they don't see. You look at a team like the Chicago Cubs uh, over on the north side, they have their own TV channel. We can discuss all day about whether or not that was the right move for the Ricketts family or, or the Cubs organization in general, but they have a little bit more leeway because they're not committed to doing some of these other things that, uh, that NBC Sportsnet is committed to doing uh, for the other stuff that we just talked about. It, it's terrible. You, you, I just think that there should be some more coverage around this. They can really, really generate some buzz around this team. Uh, in spring training. And I mean, you're going to get views off of it from a player perspective in spring training. I think one, one name that that still pops up is Andrew Vaughn. Uh, you want to see what you're going to get out of this kid. He's the most exciting prospect in my opinion uh, on the offensive side. You want to see if he's going to be able to contribute this year or what you have to do with him. I think he, the, the, the power plays man. And, and that's another dangerous bat to add to this lineup. If he has a hot spring, I think we could be seeing him in that opening day DH role and, and rolling right out of the gate. Uh, the other person I'm looking at real close here in spring training is Michael Kopech. I think that's a name that everybody's going to be looking at. Uh, how does he bounce back? He took the whole year off. Uh, he's a guy that could be a dominant force in this rotation if he returns to form. I want to see how he comes out in his first start or, or first relief appearance, whatever that may be. Uh, what does he look like on the radar? How does the breaking ball look? Does he look confident? There's a lot of question marks around Michael Kopech right now, and this is the first taste we're going to get out of him. We only saw uh, about an inning 
uh, in that, that first spring training last year. And then he disappeared off the face of the earth. So what is he right now? What does he look like? What kind of shape is he in? This is going to be, I think, the most interesting storyline uh, on the pitching side. And that, that's what I'm looking for out of spring training. Yeah, I pretty much echo the sentiments that both of you just said. Um, I'm looking at Vaughn, obviously. I mean, he had a great spring training last year, if, if you if you all remember. I mean, he, he performed very well. Um, another guy is Nick Madrigal. I want to see him do well. Um, you know, just because, I mean, he we see he could hit the ball and stuff, struggled defensively a little bit last year, had some base running blunders, you know, that were kind of odd. So I want to see if he can get some things. If he just looks cleaned up, obviously, you know, you know, it's a 162 game season or whatever, 154, whatever. What is it going to be this year? 154, right? Wasn't that what? Wasn't no, that 162. Is it still 162? I thought yeah. I read something that it was 154. Okay, whatever. They were trying to they were trying to delay the season uh, by a little bit. Uh, right. Uh, that, that, hold yeah. spring training back and then give the players the full full salaries for the 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 full season, but only do like 154, 155, and then they right. pulled back on that. That was denied. Okay. okay, good. But yeah, so I'd like to see Magical perform. Kopech, obviously, who's uh, going to be the future closer, if you didn't know, Steve. I, um, did you Did you guys see that? <laughs> so, no, okay, so it's funny. So I, I thought that was saw, Carlos Rodon. I saw somebody tweet that earlier Tw- today, and I reminded some people of the fact that two years ago, and I, I don't mean to do a whole self-promotion thing here, but two years ago, I called in to Inside the Clubhouse on a Saturday, two or three years ago, called in to Inside the Clubhouse on a Saturday morning, and I body-bagged Bruce on the air and got him to say that he was wrong about that opinion. You body-bagged Bruce? Bruce oh. Levine. Bruce oh, Levine. He, it, it happened. Yeah, what's, I, what's his intro on 670 to score? Faster than a herd of speeding turtles or something? Yeah, yeah, which is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> we got to get him on this show. We Bruce do. Levine here with Steve. Uh, on a on a socks on tap post game would be absolutely electric. Love I to see it. Definitely agree with that. I hundred percent agree with that. Can, can yeah. we can we get the Bruce Levine parody account on instead? Oh we my god, I can make both of them on at the same time. I'm we have both, sure we have both we of them talk to each other at the same time. I think that would be totally fantastic to do something like that. I think it would be great. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I'm looking at Kopech, Madrigal, um, and and Vaughn. I mean, those are the biggest guys. I'd like to see Raylo. See if he could do something. Um, you know, oh, Sale just said that. All right. White, Sale. White Sox, Sale, and, and and Buzz have that connection going on, and yeah. they're they're you know halfway across the country, and they're I know, both I, thinking about Raylo right I know now. People, I know people. I know people. I know people who are who are missing the live right now can't see this, but Sale can because we're we're on video too. You know, but hey, Sale, throw it up, bro. Throw it up. Hit me with that too sweet, real quick. Read my mind. But yeah, I, I'd like to see Raylo and see how he's doing. And you know, again, what Steve kind of said earlier with Ethan Katz. Last podcast Steve and I had did together, which was the last Sox on Tap that was released, was my concern over the pre- – what was it? The pressures, I said, Steve, like the pressure on Ethan Katz to turn a lot of these guys around because I do think it's a very – it's a very difficult challenge to to turn around a couple careers. I know that Dylan Cease is young, but he has struggled since he had come up in 2019. He struggled in 2020. You have a Michael Kopech, who we know, guys, we know he's electric, but he hasn't pitched in like two years. You know, like that's a challenge. Carlos Rodon, he had some nasty shit before he got hurt. In 20, what was it, 2019, boys? He was like 11.6 K through nine. He looked decent for a few starts. And then his ERA shot up because he had gotten injured. He was pitching hurt. That led to what? Tommy John surgery. So he had, I mean, there's a lot of mountains. I feel like Ethan Katz has to climb. And I'm hoping that he's able to do it. So I am very interested to see what happens with, 
I guess most notably like Ronaldo Lopez and, and Carlos Rodon, because I still have faith that Dylan Cease will figure it out. You know, I, he's got that talent. He's nasty as shit, dude. He, he's good. Um, so I, I, those are other two, I guess, that I'm really looking at is Carlos Rodon and, and Ronaldo Lopez. I'd like to see what they're able to do. It's going to be really fascinating to look at those those pitchers, you know, like like you talked about, Buzz, between Kopech, Rodon, Cease, and Lopez. I mean, these are four guys that all had a lot of prospect pedigree at at various points in in time here, whether it was you know during the draft or after being acquired in trades um, for some notable superstar talent. So, I mean, th- these are guys that have been highly thought of in, in prospect circles and just simply haven't performed to this point here in the big leagues. Now, again, Kopech's situation is such an outlier because of the fact that he hasn't pitched in a, in a major league game in two and a half years. So uh, there is still a little bit of that prospect bloom on that rose, so to speak. Whereas, you know, with guys like Lopez and Rodon, that, that bloom is really gone um, from, from this standpoint here. And, and with Dylan Cease, Kind of, kind of the same thing. So to see Ethan Katz kind of come in here, and I'm, I'm really curious to see what individual plans he's put in place for, for these guys to try to help them unlock that potential that they all have. I mean, we, we've all seen the, these guys have electric stuff naturally. It's just a matter of now unlocking it at this point. And I firmly believe, and I, and I wrote this, and I put my fucking name on it here. I firmly believe if he is able to unlock one of these guys, just one of them, because expecting him to unlock all four of them, I don't think that's based in reality. If he does it with just one of them, the Sox will then have four legitimate, viable major league starting pitchers. Pairing that with what I believe is going to be top to bottom, the best bullpen in the American League, if there aren't catastrophic injuries, I think they will go to the World Series if he's able to unlock one of these guys. So we've got a few questions coming in, rolling in, and, and keep sending them. Let's let's try and hit through a few of these. Luke Taylor, uh, rank your contract extension in order of preference between Lynn Giolito and Vaughn. I like that question. I think for me, right off the bat, uh, Luke, uh, just answering you, that's that's Lucas Giolito followed by Lynn, followed by Vaughn in order of, of preference here. I think uh, just – Speaking for myself, uh, we know uh, the the track that Lucas Giolito's on. Uh, you know you've got his his guy in here now. Um, I think that, that that bodes well for negotiation. That bodes well for Lucas wanting to stick around. I didn't really have a question on that in the first place. I just think it's uh, priority number one. Uh, Lynn comes in at number two for me. Um, and it, there's, a, there's a strong case that he could be made number one here just because he's on the shortest deal. Um, but we haven't seen Lance Lynn pitch in a White Sox uniform yet. Uh, that's why I put him at number two. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of him this year. I mean, that's a question for all ball players. Uh, but recent acquisition, uh, what, what are we going to see from Lynn? Uh, he's a little bit older um, than, than these other guys here in this list. Uh, and then Vaughn, uh, number three, just because you still have a lot of time here. But I'll turn it over to you, Buzz, and I'll wrap around to Steve. I've got uh, a few other uh, questions that came in here and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go to those next. Yeah, I, I definitely have to go. Um, and before I do this, what up the rink rink in here saying, hello. Awesome. Um, but I have to go Giolito number one, for sure. Um, guys, I, I'm gonna have to say Andrew Vaughn, number two. And the, and the reason I say Andrew Vaughn, number two is because if they're already thinking about it, there's gotta be some sort of talent. There. There's gotta be some sort of crazy talent that they're going to do this already. If they're trying to bang it out, 
without him having an MLB at bat. Um, so I, I'm kinda, they've done that before. I know I'm getting sucked in though because he, yeah, they've done it before. They've done it before with what with Luis Robert. You know what I'm saying? Like they did it. You know, I I know that they've done it before. It's just this guy we haven't got because of COVID. We really didn't get to see a lot out of. And um, Lance Lynn's, th- I mean, he's 33 years old. He's not old by any means necessary. He's he's top six, top five, top six in Cy Young voting last year. Dude's dude's a badass, and and we know this. We we know this. But if I had to pick, I guess I'm going to take that gamble, and I'm going to go Vaughn number two, just because of what I I mean. If anybody didn't say Giolito number one, I'd be fucking shocked. To be honest with you, but uh, I I would have to go Giolito, Vaughn, and then Lynn. And nothing against Lance Lynn. I'd like to get something done because I don't want to give up Dane Dunning for only one year of control for him. That that's not what I want, but also at the same time, if if Andrew Vaughn turns out to be like this dynamic hitter, right, and he's just absolutely amazing, we can get him on like the cheap cheap a little bit. Not that it's my money; I don't care. Give him a hundred million dollars a year, I don't fucking care. It's not my money. I'm just saying in team in terms of how they operate. If you can lock him up for not a ton of money, Buzz, then- I would love to see you walk into Jerry Reinsdorf's office. For like one minute, just because you've got such this. Sorry to sorry to cut in here, but it's all good. with with the with the Bulls passion you have and the White Sox passion you have, you trying to sell Jerry Reinsdorf on giving somebody a hundred million dollar contract would be like premier television. Oh yeah, I mean I I'll do it right now. I don't give a shit. Like if Jerry's, I mean he will never see this, but if he did, I'd be like Jerry, like let's drink a beer and talk about this. Let's talk about money because you, my friend, are a billionaire. I am a thousandaire, so I know some things about money. You know what I'm saying? I'm actually a hundred air. I don't want to give myself that much credit. I'm poor. So, but I, I, I do think that uh, if you can lock up Vaughn for, you know, um, less than what he might command in the future, it, it, if his bat is very elite and he's just a, a great ball player, then that's something you have to do. Steve. So I'm going to agree with Tony. I think the obvious answer at number one is Lucas Giolito. Um, and then at the number two spot, I am going to go with Lance Lynn over Andrew Vaughn. Just from the simple fact that, again, Andrew Vaughn, the only experience that he has professionally at this point is in A ball. He hasn't even gotten to double A and excelled at that level. So from my perspective, I mean, there's still a lot of time and a lot of seasoning that he has to have at this point before he's even remotely close to being a a finished product. And, you know, Buzz, you kind of talked about some of the other instances of the Sox giving extensions to guys before having even played a game at the major league level. Like you talk about with Luis Robert, you talk about with Aloy Jimenez. I think the key difference, the variable between those two guys is both of those guys played at the triple a level and they both dominated in double a Birmingham where hitters go to die. Andrew Vaughn hasn't even been afforded that opportunity yet. So from my perspective, I think going that route with Andrew Vaughn right now, there's a high level of risk involved with that. And look, we'd like to talk about, and we'd like to say that, you know, these things can work great and, and point to examples like Eloy and some of the small sample size that we saw with Lou Bob last year. But for every one of those guys, there's a Jonathan Singleton down in Houston who signed an extension before even playing a major league game with the Astros when they were in a similar spot to where the White Sox were. And Jonathan Singleton has been out of baseball for like two years now. So there's a lot of risk there. And again, just from my perspective, Vaughn not even dominating at the upper levels of the minor leagues yet. I'm not willing to make that level of commitment yet. If he comes up here 
and rakes right away. Look, you can still give him an extension next spring. That's fine. There's no time frame on this. I think doing it, though, right now with a guy that's only played in A-ball, that's just too much risk for me. I'm going to go real quick to uh, Iowa Zach's uh, question here. Does Vaughn's spring even have an impact on opening day? Feels like the decision is already made. That's that's a tough question. I love that coming in from Zach. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I think one thing that uh, we as White Sox fans don't know right now is how Tony La Russa is going to handle some of these young guys. Uh, we could look back at his history and 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 what he did in St. Louis, uh, but I do feel like we, we talked about a little bit earlier uh, in the Zach Collins versus uh, Lucroy thing. I, I just don't know what we're going to get from Tony La Russa. If this was a Ricky Renteria managed team, I think we'd have an easier answer, but I'll turn this one over to you guys for, for some feelings. I know, uh, Steve, you just talked about it. We spent a lot of time talking about Andrew Vaughn today. Uh, and I think that's a good thing that we're talking about him this much because that means that uh, there is there's thoughts about him being a impact player on this team uh, in the near future. But uh, Buzz, thoughts on on Zach's question? Well, I, I think it does. I, I I mean, I guess it doesn't. It doesn't at the same time. I don't know if their mind is predetermined. They, their decision's already made. But when Steve brought up earlier, you know, Luke Roy being the backup catcher, and then. Zach Collins being the, the DH with the left-handed power bat, you know, um, that, that's very enticing. So, man, it's tough. We could have I mean, had Jay Bruce. Could have had Jay Bruce. We could have had Yasiel Puig, okay? And I don't care if he's left-handed or not. That's who we should have had. Should have been the DH. But anyway, um, crack him. I don't – I don't see – I don't see that being a bad a bad thing. I think that this, that's probably something that will happen. It's so hard to answer because if Vaughn rakes, Collins doesn't have a history of raking anywhere. You know, I mean, in, in his time in the minors, I said his time in the minors, hang on. So, um, you know, and Andrew Vaughn was at with the taxi squad. He was a badass. You know, they're all like, well, he could have come up last year. So there's a lot of factors that play into this. But, yeah, I guess, like, if Colin, you know, if Steve's plan is the one that's going to happen, or not plan, but pre- uh, prediction is the one that'll happen, and Collins, like, completely underperforms and, and Vaughn does what he did last year in spring training, then, yeah, I'd see him as a DH for sure. I feel like that would probably happen. But if Collins is on par or whatever and an extension mate doesn't get done, I I don't know. I, I it, It's very tough. <laughs> it's a tough one. It is. Steve, thoughts? I don't think it's anything about Vaughn's performance in spring training. Honestly, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to the contractual situation here. If they don't have a long-term contract worked out with his representation uh, prior to breaking camp, he's not breaking camp with the team. Then, in that scenario, they're just—they're not going to do that. They are not going to have a guy burning up service time right away without that extension in place. It's just not going to happen. So to me, it's more so about that contract piece than it is about the performance. So Steve, going back to the, the other question uh, that we had right before here uh, in, in terms of, you know, what's the most important to get done right away. Um, you know, is it important that the White Sox do bang out a contract with, with Andrew Vaughn before this season starts? Is he the guy that you actually want to see in the DH role break camp with the team, especially if, he, if he's raking during spring training? And do you think that the spring training uh, performance has any, you know, sort of value in terms of whether or not Rick Hahn uh, cozies up to Andrew Vaughn's agent and says, let's get this done right now? 
let me preface this by saying I am a believer in Andrew Vaughn. I'm a big believer in that plate approach and in the hitter that I believe he will ultimately be in time. As it stands here right now, there is very little, I'm not going to say nothing, there is very little that he can do in spring training that will make me say, yes, I want him to be the opening day DH. Okay. Again, I'm just not willing to incur that type of risk with a guy that has only seen pitching in Winston-Salem and Kannapolis in a year where this stated goal has been World Series or bust. Frank Menachino said it on a podcast. I can't go into that into the first year of a contention window with a guy who has never taken a plate appearance above high A. I just simply, I don't care what he does during the Cactus League. That's just not going to influence me from from that perspective. And the, the fact of the matter is the ball flies in Arizona to begin with. So the, the outcomes are always going to be a little bit skewed from that perspective. And Again, I'm a huge believer in Andrew Vaughn's plate approach, and that was the one thing that impressed me so much before spring training got shut down last year was watching him and and seeing the way that he was setting up at bats, the way he was taking pitches. He looked like a guy that had been in the league for four or five years, and he did not look to be intimidated by the situation there. But again, he hasn't seen that upper-level pitching in the, in the minor leagues, let alone at the major league level, so I'm just not willing to take that risk. You see, I got killed for that. I got I got killed for that because I had said I was concerned about him. This was on our last podcast. I was concerned about him being the opening day DH because he hasn't seen above a ball. And I got killed for that because he was on the, oh, well, he was on the taxi squad and they wanted to bring him up last year. And this is exactly what I said to you verbatim. Here we go. Word for word. Like, what the fuck are they going to tell you, dude, that he sucked, at, at, you know, in Schaumburg? that he's not an advanced bat. They're not going to fucking say that their first round pick isn't ready yet. It's not going to happen, but this is the situation we're in right now. And if we did again, moving into the DH, I know it's kind of evolving into a bunch of different shit, but if we, if we're moving into the DH position and we're coming up into a competitive season and it looks like our options are Zach Collins. Okay. Or Andrew Vaughn. God damn, what you said, the contract status, that plays a part into it. But me being like, I don't care what the fucking contract status is. I want to win. I think Vaughn's the best one to go into that, into the fire because of the most advanced bat. Like, I think he's the guy. It's just so hard to, they fuck with my mind so much. <laughs> and it, it's just so irritating to me because like sometimes, man, I see so clearly, you know, I and then, and then it's just like, then they have me like, well, I want Andrew Vaughn as a DH. Why the fuck am I saying that? I never wanted that from the beginning. But that's what my reality is going to be. So I have to accept it and I have to talk about it like it's a good thing when I agree with you, Steve, where I don't think it's a good thing. But it might be the what do they always say, like when they tell you to vote or whatever, it's the lesser of two evils or some shit like yeah, that. Is, that. Yeah, that that is the fucking that is where I'm at right now. Like if I if I'm in a voting poll and it's Zach Collins or Andrew Vaughn, I'm like. Mm, I can't, you know, do I, do I write in Puig? Yeah, he writes in Puig. You write in Puig every single fucking time there. And don't, don't tell me that you're not writing in Puig. Uh, let's move it on to uh, uh, sales question here. I'm loving this guys. I'm loving the ability to to throw these questions up I'm on the screen so glad and, we did this. And, and do this. I, I hope everybody who's in here and watching this is enjoying it. This is 
uh, an absolute blast with, uh, with, this, with this new uh, uh, streaming service that we've got here at Socks on Tap. We've got another one from Sal here. If Raylo can't get on track as a starter, is he gone? Uh, no need for him in the bullpen. Uh, Sal, you've you've listened to to me talk since back on the Shy Sox weekly days about Reynaldo Lopez, and I continue to uh, hold this opinion in my mind about Reynaldo Lopez is that he would be an awesome two inning swing reliever uh, at the back end of a bullpen. I don't know if the White Sox have a position for him open, but there is some Major League Baseball team that would love that 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 they would have Reynaldo Lopez to go one time through the order, and that's it. He winds up on a team like the Rays or, or just somewhere that they can find a spot for Reynaldo Lopez to do what he does best, and that's get through the order the first time. He's the anti-Dylan Cease, in my opinion. He can get through that order the first time. I would love to see the White Sox try something crazy and just do the first time through the order, you go Reynaldo Lopez. For the third through the fifth inning, you're going Dylan Cease, and you go to the fucking bullpen. I think that that would work out. I don't know if they've got the roster space to do it, but those two guys are the exact opposites of each other. Um, you know, I, I see a comment coming in here from from Alex. Uh, go with him over Cordero. Uh, I, I I agree with that. I think that there's a lot of room for Reynaldo Lopez to be an effective major league pitcher. I don't know if it's out of the rotation. You've seen him go eight innings before and throw some really special ball games. It's about unlocking that talent. We've talked about all the work that the White Sox pitching coach and just the staff has with some of these projects that we have and some of these young guys. I don't know if Reynaldo Lopez is going to be the guy that gets unlocked, but I do know one thing. He has the talent to get through nine hitters, six hitters, and do something that not a lot of people on this earth can do, and that's get through a batting order at least one time. I think when you see him again or he loses that stamina, uh, there's there's really not a lot there, and you can see him get into a lot of trouble. Uh, but I do think that he's an effective pitcher. I don't know if it's going to be him in the rotation for long-term because I'm not very confident that he can uh, play a full season as a starter and be completely effective. Uh, but I think there's room for him. It might not be on the White Sox, but it's somewhere. Uh, I'll go to Steve first and we'll go to Buzz. We'll try and circle this back the other way. Okay. So from, from my perspective, with Lopez, I think it's all going to come down to the tweaks that Ethan Katz has has made with him this winter here. Um, when Katz initially had his media availability, one of the things that he had actually talked about was helping to drop his arm slot to help create a little bit of movement um, on on his on his four seam fastball. Because one of the issues that he has is he's a low spin guy, and so that fastball is straight as shit. Yeah, he's ninety six to ninety eight with it consistently, but straight right down the cock and and we've seen the results here a lot over the last couple of years so if he's able to make some necessary tweaks and again like you said tony i don't know if ultimately that's going to work out as a starter you know trying to go six seven innings at a time with him i think that depending on what they're able to do with him from from the mechanical standpoint and how well he adapts to that he definitely can be a guy that has utility in the bullpen here. And as, I think as we've seen over the last couple of years in the way that the game has evolved, you need to have viable bullpen arms. And, you know, somebody, you know, brought up the great point and, and Alex Rube, you know, brought up that great point here about, you know, Jimmy Cordero even. And if I'm not mistaken here, I believe Ronaldo Lopez 
does have minor league options available to him here. So if he starts with the team out of camp and if things don't go well, you can always send him down to Charlotte. Yeah, he's got options. Yeah, so you can send him down to Charlotte and have him transition to the bullpen here full-time and and continue to work on some of these different aspects here. And and we've seen over the course of 162 games, you're going to need to be bringing guys back up at various points here. So I think that there, there could be an option for, for Ronaldo Lopez there out of the bullpen. Um, so I, I know some people kind of disagree with it. And I, and I see, I see Sal, you know, um, my, my guy here kind of disagreeing with that a little bit, but I think, I think that could be a path for him ultimately. And for a while now, I've kind of thought that the bullpen was going to be the way that he was going to have to go ultimately here. It's just going to come down to, can he get that secondary pitch to go along with that fastball? And is he going to be able to miss enough bats? Um, thoughts, I, Dude, I don't, I, he's not going to get on track as a starter because I feel like if cats is work, I mean, I like Raylo, but I feel like if Carlos Rodon stays healthy, right. I think Carlos Rodon's a more talented pitcher. I think he beats him out for the fifth spot until they bring until Kopech's ready. And if Kopech isn't ready to start the season, I don't know what they're going to do with the kid. I, I don't know. But um, his home would be the bullpen, and I wouldn't mind him in the bullpen because, like you said, Tone, I mean, dude's dude's got heat. He's got talent. He's with a new pitching coach who seems to be more I – mean, how would you put this, man? Like, I mean, more hip to the times and able to – work with these guys and unlock potential that was not would, being unlocked with Coop, right? I would describe him as more relatable to today's MLB pitcher. Right. So I, I yeah, I mean, hip totally. I just spilled salt. That's bad luck. Um, anyway, anyway, th- th- that's where I just see, you know, Raylo's trajectory being, it's going to be in a bullpen. And like Steve did bring up, he's got options to go back down to the minors. Like that, there, there's an option there to do so. I, I don't see him with us long term. Um, again, I mean that that fifth spot in the rotation, regardless, is a placeholder spot for Michael Kopech. I think we all know that. At least I know that. Well, here's an interesting one that we got from Brandon Stokes, uh, and I'll roll right into this. What role do you see Crochet in? I'm a big Brandon uh, Stokes as, guy. As a setup role, or maybe an opener. Um, we've heard, and I'll, I'll take this one right off the bat too, as well. Uh, we've heard that his long-term trajectory is going to be in the starting mm-hmm. rotation. Um, I think that, uh, that has some effect on whether or not the White Sox actually do go and, and re-sign a guy like Lance Lynn, uh, in the future. You got to see what you get out of Garrett Crochet this year. Uh, you saw him in the bullpen last year in, in sort of a setup role. Um, but they have a few guys that can play that, just play that kind of position just absolutely perfectly. And we'll have to see how the bullpen shakes out. You saw a lot of different, uh, you know, guys that uh, Ricky Renteria went to last year in the, in the seventh, eighth innings. Uh, obviously Calame was coming in and closing it down. I'm surprised that's the first time his name's come up considering him who uh, t- technically right, right next to right next to Steve. And maybe we'll get into that if we have time, but um, we don't know exactly yet how, Tony La Russa is going to use these guys. So a lot of this is just speculation right now. Uh, when you have a new manager, uh, a new pitching coach, uh, wipe that whiteboard clean right now because you don't know where these guys are going to fall. You don't know how Tony La Russa is going to want to uh, you know, stack his bullpen order. Just because somebody was your eighth inning guy last year does not mean he's going to be your eighth inning guy this year. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I'll go to Buzz, and then and then we'll toss it to Steve here. What do, what do you think about Crochet? Where, where is he going to fall? 
uh, crochet will definitely be a guy in the, in the bullpen. I think he's uh he's going to be a long reliever. I think if some, you know, one of our starters fucks up, you're going to be seeing crochet come in and do what he does. Um, future for him, I guess. Yeah. In a setup role or as an opener, I don't think that they're going to take the role away from the setup role away from bummer. I don't think that happens immediately. Do you guys? I mean, I, I, I mean, I think he might, he might be able to be worked in to that role if bummer underperforms, but I don't think crochet gets into that right away. Um, maybe an opener role is, is a thing for him, or like I said, a long reliever. If you know, someone's having a rough game, crochet will be the first guy that you see. Um, so that, that's my opinion on, on crochet. I, I do think that he has the shit to be, didn't we, we think me and Steve talked about this too. I think he, that he has the shit to be in the rotation eventually too. I, I like to see him as a starting pitcher. And, and one of the main reasons is, is to what he, I know it's easier for a guy that throws a hundred plus miles an hour to come up right away than it is a, a bat. It, it's That's hard, big you know, news if true, Buzz. Right, big news if true. So I know it's harder. <laughs> Damn it, Steve. Um, <laughs> ah, anyway, so. I mean, you've got, you've got, just uh, look at the comment that just came in. If, if, if bummer falters, uh, you've got Cody Hoyer who could take over. I'd, I'd, right. I'd, I'd also argue that there's, uh, you know, Jace Fry's there. We don't know what we're going to see out of Ryan Burr, uh, another guy who was in the late innings, uh, before he had Tommy John surgery. There, you know, if Michael Kopech comes up, even if he's not a starter, you, you, the plans can change. Plans oh, absolutely. Can, yeah. plans can I, absolutely change. So th- there, there, I guess there's a good problem here. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, like, I think that at first you see him in a long reliever role. That's where we see him. Uh, he's not going to be the setup man. He's not going to be a closer. I mean, you just went and paid a fucking closer, you know, and you have bummer and, and you know, that that's where he's going to be it, it, it is in a, a long relief role. That is my opinion on Garrett crochet. And I can't wait. I, that is one of, and you guys know me very well. You know, I don't buy jerseys of current players. I just can't do it. It makes me feel odd but that is one that I would fucking get. I, I really him and TA like, I, I like crochet. I think he's going to be a big part of the future here. Steve thoughts. All right. First thing I, I want to say here, Sal, I'm not going to tolerate any Aaron bummer slander here. That That's just not allowed. Aaron Bummer's <laughs> my guy. I will not stand for this. Okay. Um, but in, in all seriousness, th- the way I'm thinking about Garrett crochet is think about how Terry Francona utilized Andrew Miller when he when they acquired him from the New York Yankees in 2016 in a in basically any role possible you have him there as an option to close out games if needed you can have him come in there and get a couple of tough lefties out you can use him one time through the order i think he's going to kind of be a swiss army knife so to speak in the bullpen the way francona utilized andrew miller because he, you can utilize him in so many different capacities, and he showed that he could get out righties and lefties efficiently last year. Again, small sample size. But I think with a guy like him, you can utilize him in so many different capacities, and I think it's going to give Tony La Russa a lot of flexibility to, to utilize him and, and pick his spots with him. And I think that's the thing that makes this bullpen so unique versus other bullpens out there across the American League and across the game of baseball is you've got guys that you can utilize in different roles. They don't have to be just locked into one specific role. So guys like Crochet, guys like Aaron Bummer, Matt Foster, another guy that we, we haven't talked about yet here, Cody Hoyer, Liam Hendricks. You've got all these different guys that you can plug into different spots to get tough outs when you need them. So I, I think that this bullpen has so much versatility to it. But, but again, here, 
circling back to crochet. I just think Andrew Miller, Cleveland Indians, the way Francona was utilizing him and just trying to figure out, okay, this is going to be the toughest spot in this game. I'm going to go to him right now here. And then I've got all these other horses here to, to back him up to help close this game out. It's really funny sitting here right now talking about this bullpen depth and, and the pitching depth that we do have. And I know it's a little bit stronger than what we saw in 2020. However, I go back to the last White Sox games that we all watched together. And collectively, we watched the bullpen just get kind of tossed around a little bit. And that ended our season. Do you guys, and this isn't a listener question, this is a question from me to you. Do you guys think we have enough pitching depth? to get through a playoff run. It's tough, man, because you have a lot of question marks. That's the fucking bad part of it. You know, I, I posted a fucking tweet today about Cole Hamels. Okay. And what a dreamy guy, you know, to be total good looking dude. You, know, you totally like- want some South park there with your K, but you didn't do it the right way. So I'm going to let you redo that real quick. <laughs> he's a, he's a totally dreamy guy. Um, you know, I don't think we have enough depth and that's something that scares me. Yeah. You know, we're again, what we just talked about Kopech getting probably the fifth spot that spots his hasn't pitched in two years. Ronaldo Lopez inconsistency issues, Carlos Rodon inconsistency slash injury issues. Um, You know, Dylan Cease consistency issues. Uh, One thing is for sure. Our bullpen looks good. Okay. Like Liam Hendricks, Aaron Bummer, Evan Marshall, Cody Hoyer, I like those guys. I think they're very good. And I think that's really awesome to have, especially when you when we think we're going to get into a playoff push. Um, the only for, for sure things I feel like on our starting rotation are Giolito, Big D, Dallas Keuchel, and Lance Lynn. Um, after that, I'm very fucking scared. So, no, I don't think we have enough pitching depth. I guess if I have to answer the question, I don't, I don't think we have enough pitching depth. I think that uh, I'm a little bit scared. I think there's a ton of talent. Don't get me wrong, but there's pre-existing things that have happened in the past that scare me. And I, that, that's my point, I guess, on it. Steve, thoughts? And then I got another question we're going to roll into real quick. I feel good about the bullpen. Um, I would feel a lot better if I had one more starting pitcher that I could slot into that number four spot that – would give me a level of certainty. I would feel much better about things right now. And then you just have, you know, Cease, Kopech, Lopez, Rodon battling out for that number five spot. And the other thing too, that people aren't seeming to want to deal with is the fact that you're going to need more than five starters throughout the course of the season here. So if they had signed a guy like a Jose Quintana or an Alex Wood or you know, a Colin McHugh who recently signed with, with Tampa. You've got a host of different options that are available there. Had they signed someone to slot into the number four spot of the rotation to start the season here, I would feel a lot better about things personally. I do agree with both of your guys' thoughts on this one. Here's a great question that we got in from Jordan Miller. Can you explain Jose Ruiz's importance on the 40-man roster? He must have naked pics of Jerry or something. He definitely doesn't um, have naked, naked pics of Jerry, but he does have Jerry doing a heinous act on camera, 100%. There, there's something there. There's um, something you there. Know, you know, there, there was a brief week at one point. Uh, I don't remember if it was – I think it was 2019 uh, where Johnny and I 
had a few post-game shows where Jose Ruiz came in and, and locked some shit down, um, and he was pretty good at doing so. Uh, you're talking about a reclamation project. Jose Ruiz has uh, traveled around different positions on the field, uh, one-time former catcher. I don't know what you're going to get long-term out of Jose Ruiz. I thought he was going to be the guy that would, would have been gone after 2019, and we wouldn't see his name around anymore. I don't understand what the – White Sox problem is with with DFAing him and, and just cutting ties here. Um, you don't know the, the the scouting staff obviously has some sort of thoughts on this guy. The, the coaching staff at large has some sort of thoughts on on him being somewhat valuable to this organization. Don't know what that is. Um, maybe you guys can help me out with this one because it it doesn't make sense to me. I just told you he's got he's got pictures of Jerry or someone in his inner circle doing something wrong. I mean, there's no way. It, that's all I got. I don't give a fuck either. Wise, <laughs> like I, I just I don't care. Like there's no way he should be here. Not not on a competitive roster, getting ready to win a fucking World Series. Well, I'm sorry, competing to try to win a World Series. And uh, real quick, cracking. Go ahead, Steve. So I saw Ruiz down in Birmingham in uh, July of 2018 when I when I made the trip down there and oh you went down there yeah how was it it was it was, it was cool I mean the, I the heard part... Birmingham is super neat um oh no there's an um okay <laughs> the, look the part the park's really cool there there's a nice brewery right across the street from it so you can stumble right into the park which I may or may not have done um that that's pretty cool but I mean. Right. It's interesting. I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, and I thought I thought at the time seeing Ruiz down there that that this was going to be a legitimate major league bullpen piece. You know the stuff. I mean I mean was was nice and crisp. He he had a, a sharp slider, so he had a good secondary pitch going down there. And again, you do that down in Double A. I mean that's usually the the breeding ground to see and and to test your metal and see. Okay, are you a legitimate potential major league piece? And it simply hasn't translated here at the major league level, which look, that's, you know, that's something that happens with, with consistency. I mean, either, you know, you're going to get the job done up here or you're not. And for the life of me, I don't understand what the hesitation is with removing him off the 40 man to get someone in here that has a little bit more certainty. I don't understand at this point here, especially when you've got as many bullpen pieces as they have at the major league level right now, and then you have other guys, you know, down there potentially like a Tyler Johnson, who, who's another guy that they that they protected in the Rule Five draft here at, at this point. That I would assume is probably going to be going down to Charlotte uh, to start the season here. So why there's this hesitancy to utilize that forty man roster spot for Jose Ruiz is something I just can't grasp right now. Nope, I can't. I can't really grasp it either. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's all the questions we got to. If we missed yours, I apologize. But uh, we did get some positive feedback uh, right before we started. Some of these questions are actually midway through um, the, from Iowa Zach that this is dope. Keep using it. Um, I, I've really enjoyed uh, this little segment here that we had uh, kind of impromptu. But it's it's awesome to be able to put your guys' uh, questions, comments, concerns, everything up on the screen so we could all – uh, just talk about it and go there. It's, it's a it's a good feeling to be able to be talking about White Sox baseball. I feel like I'm in lot B right now, guys. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'm on I'm on beer number four, 
It's beer number five four. o'clock on on Saturday. Beer Look number it. four. Beer number four. Beer number four. There, there it is. There it, it is. It's, it's great to be talking White Sox baseball with both of you. Um, let's let's go to some other stuff. What else do we got to talk about here? Well, there, there's a there's definitely a cool and tough thing that we need to get to. The cool, you know, this is a new live show, man. I'm just doing this like off the top of my head here. Not the uh, topic, but the segment. This is the cool and tough segment of the week. You guys ready for this shit? I'm, I was born up, ready. Steve brought it up. Me and Steve text all the time. We're in group chats together. Tim Anderson's comments, buddy, because I know I'm glad, he's, I'm, I, he's got I'm some I'm glad I was invited to your group chat. <laughs> well, you're in the group chat, dummy. You just said you text him all the time. Well, I text him about other things like yeah. wrestling and shit. You don't like that. So you know what? You. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but Tim Anderson's comments, and this is something that I really feel like we should touch on, like not just laugh it off or whatever, but it's a cool and tough segment of the week. Tim Anderson was the guy a lot of fans used as the fuel to their fire for the Tony LaRussa hiring. And I'm going to go on record now. I've been on a lot of these podcasts, Socks on Tap podcasts. I know it's a revolving door between me, you, Steve, and Nani, whatever, but. I, I kept the same energy the whole time. The only reason I was upset about the Larusa hiring is because I didn't feel like they did their due diligence in interviewing other people. If he was the right guy for the job after everybody was interviewed, whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. But what was used was, oh well, him and TA, nah, that shit ain't gonna work. That's that's not gonna work because TA does his own thing, and that's what happens. TA comes out and said we were too laid back last year. He wants to come out and beat motherfuckers' ass. That's what he said. Oh, along those lines, right? It was like, you know, we want to whoop these motherfuckers, I think is what he said. Um, does that make you guys feel better about things? Or did you not buy into that shit in the first place? Tony, I, I, got, I got to lead off here with this. One. <laughs> Go right ahead. Because I, I got thoughts. Go I got right thoughts. ahead. I've got thoughts too, but uh, I'll, I'll follow right off you, Steve. You you have the floor, my friend. When, when I saw that soundbite, when I saw that come across on, on Twitter – that got my I, – and I tweeted, that got my fucking nads pumping, baby. Like, hearing, hearing TA say that, that you want to go out there and you want to whoop these motherfuckers, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to see right there. And that's what – Timmy is asserting himself as the leader of this team. I know there's a lot of people out there that want to say it's Jose Abreu, but I think it's fucking Timmy at this point right now. And the fact of the matter is this, and, and I can say this as someone who played on a lot of different teams and, and teams of – varying degrees of success and especially you know you start playing travel ball in in high school you play in college and different things and if you look at even major league teams that are successful every team needs one or two motherfuckers on it that just light people up and not be part of this country club mentality that he was talking about you go back you look at the teams that were successful 05 06 08 you had A.J. Pierzynski. You had Aaron Rowan. You had a couple of guys on, on those teams that were absolute motherfuckers. And every good, successful team needs one of those. You go, you look at that last Yankees dynasty, uh, you know, 96, 97, 98, 2000, th those championship teams. They had Paul O'Neill. That guy was an absolute motherfucker. Every good team needs one of those guys. And T.A. is that guy. And I swear to God, when I heard that, I played that clip probably 50 times in a row. And that got me all jacked up, baby. So Steve, I love, I love what you're saying here with this. 
Uh, this is something that stats don't quantify. And I'll go back to that because that's my brand 100% of the time. But it's, it's, it's fucking true. Um, you look at good teams throughout the course of history, and this isn't just a baseball thing. This is every sport. You go back to the Bulls dynasty. You had Dennis Rodman being a motherfucker out there for that Bulls team. You, you, had, Michael, back, you had Michael Jordan punching yeah. people in practice. Like, yeah. and, and, and look, be better. You need that leader. You need yeah. that guy who's going to drive you to be better, to fucking take this seriously, to get out there and get shit done. I love the attitude. And you know what? It, to a simple extent, you talk about each team having one or two guys who's just going to be there and, and and stir the pot a little bit. The one thing that I like about the Adam Eaton signing is that he's another one of those guys that's going to do that. You can have too much of it, though. That that is that is something that I do caution. You can have a little bit too much of that. You can have conflicting personalities, but you need guys who are out there that just don't, aren't going to take shit. That and I think this is where Buzz goes back to Yaziel Puig all the time. There are certain guys that are in in Major League Baseball who you want on your team because you don't want to play against them. Uh, yeah, Albert Bell is my spirit animal. There, there's another name that that just comes out there. These guys are important to have on your team because you need that edge. They are they are just as much of an asshole in the clubhouse as they are to the other guys on the other side of the field. And those are the type of guys that bring that energy. That that will hit that late inning home run. That will showboat. That will that will just drive guys to play better because of their attitude and the way they carry themselves. And I love seeing Tim Anderson uh, step up and take this lead. Jose Abreu could be the quiet leader. All he wants to be. Lucas Giolito could be this, you know, uh, you know, very well spoken guy and and do all the right things on on social media and streaming and and have a great relationship with Jason Benetti and all those guys that are out there. And Carlos Rodon can stream uh, World of Warcraft all night. That's great. But I want Tim Tim Anderson to be the guy that's up at ten o'clock at night taking swings in his fucking garage because he wants to win fucking ball games. And I'm excited too. I love I love that attitude. I think that that's going to bode well. I, I never really had any sort of problem with uh, Timmy's tweets or anything. I think people read way too much into that. Um, you know, half the time they're song leader because the guy is thinking because he's got a chip on his shoulder. That's the one thing that everybody needs to understand about Tim Anderson. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants a championship. There's nobody that's going to be more deserving if this team and when this team does win a World Series than Tim Anderson. I hope he fucking touches the trophy first. He deserves it. Yeah. Echo those sentiments, man. I love that kind of shit on a fucking baseball team. You know, any sort of team, really, is you have that guy that didn't give a shit. I just want to win. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to say whatever I want to say. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And that's it. And that is cool and tough, having someone like that on the team. I understand that you need the guys there that are more level-headed and shit so stuff doesn't pop off. But that is where... I think that T.A. is like one of my favorite players. Like I said, I told you guys, Crochet and T.A. are probably the only jerseys I'd buy for somebody on this team. I, I love that sort of shit. I love that that mentality is like, fuck you, I'm going to play this game and make it happen. I want to win. I was going to get you a Jose Ruiz jersey for your 30th birthday. I'd wear it. I mean, you know, free clothes, man. You know what I'm saying? Free you know, he, he, here's what I think the, the real and uh, one of the key differences is between guys like T.A. and, and Abreu and why I think it's important. And, and, you know, Tony, you brought up Giolito as well. I think you need that guy that, you know, Coach Ruzic at South Suburban always used to say, you need, you need to have that cocksucker attitude out there. And it 
it kind of has to come from a guy that's an everyday player. So it's always tougher for a pitcher to be that guy. So you, you do need, get some of it from Lucas Giolito. I you, won't, or not Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel is you, the name that I'm thinking of. Right. Dallas Keuchel, very outspoken, mm-hmm. um, been been there, done that. Um, and you saw it. I want to go back to the Giolito, uh, the Undertaker, though, man. You remember that shit? That, that is true. You know, you can see that. You can see that as well. Uh, when when somebody is on and performing at the highest level of whatever they're doing, you could be a computer programmer. You could be loading a fucking truck. You could be pitching in a major league baseball game. You know when somebody wants to get their shit done, and Tim Anderson has that has that edge, just that edge. He's he he is a performer. He's a gamer, and, and I love that. And and it's it, I I understand what you're saying there there Tony, but having that guy that is out there on the field every day, th- that does matter. Okay. And you know, with Giolito, yeah, you have that, that mindset and a lot of pitchers kind of have this. And, and I've always said that you have to be a little bit of a psychopath in order to be a pitcher at any level, let alone at a high level, like the major leagues. Are you, you a psychopath, have, Steve? I, Hell yeah. Jerry's still out on, on that one here, but you know, so you can definitely you can have that mentality, but that's only one out of every five days here. You know, TA being a guy that's out there in the middle of the action, playing the most play either the most or the second most important position on the field every single day, that matters. And the fact is that Abreu does have that language barrier. Okay. And and that's not it's not his fault. He has ultimately talked about being a guy that wanted to learn English, but look, that's something that's very fucking tough for somebody to do. And so to have that guy that can that can be there, that can communicate with the overwhelming majority of the team, I think that really matters with, with a guy like TA. So it's 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 pretty special, I think, to see Tim kind of evolve the way that he has and really taken on this leadership role. It's it's pretty exciting to see. And and like you guys were saying, he does have that chip on his shoulder because this is a guy that hasn't played baseball for much of his life. And it it, it hurts me as someone who grew up playing baseball my whole life to see a guy like him that didn't play baseball until he was 16 years old. And now he's a stud in the major leagues, whereas I was a goddamn scrub and I put everything I could put into it. And this guy, you know, just picks it up at 16 years old and he's out here dominating in, in, in the major leagues, winning a batting title and doing what he's doing. Um, so he's got that chip on his shoulder. He wants to legitimately be the best. And that's why you got to have that guy. And that's why I just, I love the fucking attitude and the fire that this guy is bringing right now. You have to, it's, it's absolutely amazing. You, you absolutely have to now <laughs> just to get into one. I, I want to tell everybody that's listening to this on the podcast form or here on the written form. We did a little um, a little outline, and my God, guys, I want to say real quick, man, this is probably been one of the most favorite shows that I've ever – I just want to be honest. It was probably the most favorite Socks on Tap I've ever recorded because this is new to us, um, you know, and I, I've just had a great time throughout the whole thing. But, um, you know, with fan questions or, you know, fans of our show or even friends. I mean, most of these guys are fucking friends in here, not fans. They're, they're friends, you know, just sitting here talking White Sox baseball. But let's get into our last couple questions here that are kind of fun that were in the outline before we just went, you know, DEFCON five and started getting into the nitty gritty shit. What's the first thing you boys are going to do when you get back into the ballpark? That That's something we need to talk about. I know all of us will be in lot B. What's the first thing you're going to do? I'll start with Steve. Oh man. You know, I think just 
probably just sit in the seats for, for a couple of minutes and just take it all in. I mean, just kind of sit there and just kind of be thankful to actually be sitting in a seat at a major league baseball game again, watching, watching the Sox because every, everybody that knows me knows that that's the, I look forward to that more than just about anything else in this world. And not being able to go to the ballpark last year, it physically hurt. And, you know, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, I was near the ballpark yesterday and I snapped that little pick from lot B and it's like, we're getting close to the point where you can almost taste it. And just, just to get in there, walk through those gates, get on that concourse, smell those grilled onions. And, and I see Jordan Miller here commenting on that. Get that, get that whiff of them grilled onions right there. And then you're just going to know we're home boys. Let's fucking go. Yeah, dude, I might cry, honestly, with the first time I take a fucking <laughs> breath in that ballpark. It, it just feels too long. Um, for those that don't know, like the last uh, the last Sox game I was at, Buzz, you were there. Um, we went for the uh, the doubleheader St. Patrick's Day game uh, at the end of the 2019 season. Uh, there were fireworks going as I left the ballpark. Um, uh, my wife and I walked out. I think, Buzz, you were walking out too. Uh Looked back, took a picture. There were still fireworks, uh, you know, off the side of the thing. Tweeted it right out. I said, I'll see you on March 26th. Bye, White Sox. I love you. I'll see you soon. Um, obviously, that didn't come to fruition. Um, it's been, I mean, baseball to me is a very emotional thing. This is my passion. This is what I love. I love being at the ballpark, just like Steve said. I mean, I've been going there uh, ever since I can remember as a kid. Um, and, and just getting to take in, you know, 10 to 15, 20, 30 White Sox games a year, uh, there's not a better place in the world. You know, people want to talk about how magical Disney World is. I mean, this is my fucking Disney World when I get to walk around that concourse. I, I fucking love that place. Uh, it's going to be emotional for me. I, I'll probably shed a tear, to be honest, when I see the White Sox take the field for the first time in over a year. It's been way too fucking damn long. Can't wait to get back there. Uh, the one thing for me that I, I kind of hope and uh, – that it happens you know we, we missed out on a lot of different things like Luis Roberts uh debut uh you know Buzz can you roll the R for me <laughs> Luis Roberts there you go Woo! roll the R for me uh we didn't we didn't get to take that in collectively uh I look back at some of the moments around this team uh Yon Moncada's debut I was there Kopech's debut uh I was there uh Eloy Jimenez obviously started the 2019 season on the roster those were some loud roars. There's a lot of guys on this team that deserve a loud roar from the fan base. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to get it. I think that there's going to be a, a slow uh, roll and stage up of, of getting the ballpark uh, back filled. But I cannot wait for that first time when you see a sellout crowd for this White Sox team because I just want to feel that energy. I want to feel the crowd. I want to feel the roar. When uh, when a Sox player hits a home run, God damn it, you know I'm gonna go fucking insane the first time I see some fireworks because I love fireworks. Yeah, man. You know, I think the most thing that I'm looking forward to the most is I know that my first game, you know, as, I, as a season ticket holder for the Bears and partial for the Bulls, I'm gonna pull the trigger and do partial for the Sox this year. So you know, I have three, three of the uh, four major sports teams. Um, but the first game I hit, I'm gonna make sure we're all there together no matter what I have to do. And that is like the one thing that I'm looking forward to the most is we haven't got to see each other a lot during the pandemic, um, getting back into fucking 
and the guaranteed rate, USL or Comiskey, whatever, Sox Park, whatever you want to call it, that is something I'm looking forward to the most is being with you guys, man. First place I'm hitting for sure. I'm going to the Craft Cave. I'm going to drink a couple craft beers. Write a review for On Tap Sportsnet. Go upstairs and watch some good baseball with my with my good buddies. And that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most, man. And then some fireworks, too. I don't want to steal Tony's thunder, but fireworks are when you're a fucking spaz like I am. When you see fireworks, man, just sets you off and shit like that. There's just nothing better than watching a guy hit a long ball. I can't wait. To, fireworks yeah. afterwards. Like, normally, you know, like growing up, you, you wait for the 4th of July because you want to see some shit explode in the air. And the only other time, you know, growing up in the in the city, you get to see this is any time a Sox player hits a home runner, we win. Those are good things. I associate fireworks with good things, and I want to see good things on the south side. I want to see fireworks. Yeah. Tony, Tony, let me let me add on to that a little bit here. You know, because it's it's funny you bring out the Fourth of July because I'm not a big you know go out and watch you know the the municipality Fourth of July fireworks shows and everything. And the thing I always tell everybody is, look, the only time I really give a shit about fireworks. Is when a White Sox player is running the fucking bases. That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I mean, it's a good point. And and you know, just Steve. To uh, another thing, I want to. I just want to throw out real quick is because you guys know I'm sappy. I'm always a sappy guy. But one of the first games, uh, I know you said you were super jacked. You know about TA's comments, and you were fucking fully loaded, right? You said that. Is that correct? You got that straight. I cannot wait for you to give me a niece or a nephew after that because you're so jacked of what they have, you know, of TA's comments that I can bring Ren and, and, and the new edition Ruby to a game with AJ and Haley. And, you you know, you come and Uncle Steve, with, you know, with the baby ready to come out and shit. And it's a family thing, man. Uncle that Steve. Is, Uncle Steve. Well, he is my brother, man. We, we do the two sweet. He's my brother. That's That's what happens. We're tied together forever. Like literally forever. Like I don't. It's crazy. It's just it's a blood that you, you have you don't get it because you won't you won't accept it in your life. Throw throw one up real quick for everybody. Throw one up for Sal at least if you don't do it for us. I'm Stuart. I'm all right. I'm all right. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to buy that one for me. That's okay. Well, I, I will. I don't even uh, I don't even know what to do here. I'm, I'm just so put out your of place. fucking hand up. I'm so out of place with you. Rock and roll, motherfuckers. Okay, well I'll take the rock and roll. Whatever, whatever. It's it's cool and tough to throw that up, but that that's something I'm also looking forward to is uh, bringing the kids to the game. But the last topic of the podcast because we we went over what we said we were going to do and that's because we enjoy talking white Sox baseball and we have not been together in a while you know us three and and you know missing johnny nani today um you know but he's he's doing some he's doing some cool shit with uh whatever you know with his buddies he hasn't seen in a while but uh last thing for the podcast who's the player you're most excited for this upcoming season and uh i want everybody that's in here to comment on that um, and, you know, we'll throw them all up on the live stream. This will also be released on podcasting forums so everybody knows that everybody can listen to podcasts. But, yep. um, Tony, I want to start with you. Who yeah. is the player you're most excited for this season? Like, I mean, and, and it, could be a, it could be a prospect. It could be whatever. Whatever you want. Who is somebody in a White Sox jersey you're most excited for this season? Most excited for it? I've got to go. Gotta go with Luis Robert right there because I'm excited to see how he builds on uh, his his you know first campaign. We didn't get a full season out of this guy. I think he's an absolute animal. Um, he's going to be something special. I think he could be the best out of this entire fucking group of White Sox players. Um, just he's got all the tools, man. Uh, at the plate, he's absolutely dangerous. In the field, 
he might be one of the best center fielders of the next 10 years. Um, I think that uh, you want to see him take another step forward and you want to see him start to achieve some of that superstar status that I think he's absolutely capable of. If I'm, if I'm excited about anybody, I'm excited to see this guy's career. And you can ask me that next year. And I'm probably going to have the same fucking answer. It's Luis Robert. This is the guy that I think that we are going to build this team off of. You're talking about a guy that, you know, you, you draw some comparisons and it's, it's, just absolutely ridiculous. If Mike Trout wasn't in the league, you're talking about Luis Robert potentially being that center fielder that everybody's looking at. Uh, I know there's a lot of exciting outfielders out there who are young, Acuna uh, Jr., Soto, all those other guys. Luis Robert's name should be right in there with every single fucking one of them. Um, and I want to see him just, you know, take off. He, he's got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the just the glove. There's everything about this guy's game to love. Absolutely love it. Want to see him perform at the highest levels that he possibly can. I think this is going to be a better year for him. Obviously, sophomore slumps do happen. But if that guy gets hot, you're talking about a long stretch of really good White Sox baseball that we, have, we haven't seen bef- before in, in at least 10, 12 years. So, Luis Roberts, my answer through and through. Uh, I'll send it over to you guys. Steve? Well, I think the obvious answer to that question is Jace Fry. You dick. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no. Um, you just pissed Nani off. Where's Nani? <laughs> I, I, I had to do it. I didn't have a choice. Um, he's, he's shotgunning a beer in lot B right now just because you said that. <laughs> um, no, for me, it's look, look, having been a former pitcher, I, I love dominant pitching. And for me, it's all about Lucas Giolito and seeing is he going to be able to find that last gear? I mean, he showed in that playoff start against the Oakland A's. He's got that fucking motherfuck you attitude out there that I want the ball. I'm going to take it. I'm going to shove it up your fucking ass. And there ain't a goddamn thing you can do about it. And for me, again, having been a former pitcher, there's nothing better than being able to turn on the TV or go to the ballpark every five days when you know that guy is on the mound and you say, well, you know what? Hey, it's guaranteed win day today, baby. So let's go. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. So um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pick Tim Anderson, guys. And and the reason that I picked Tim Anderson is, is we know that he won a batting title, okay? And we know that he had a great year last year. Um, what, do you, what do you do? He had 10 home runs, right, last year, I think it was. And if it was a 162-game season, he would have been like a 30-30 guy. Um, and the reason that I'm choosing him is because of that computer algorithm. And that pissed him off. And I know it did because like you said, Steve, like you said, Tony, that dog in him. That is a guy that I am. Su- I know what he could do. You know what I'm saying? And like Tony's pick with, with uh, Lou Bob, like, or I'm sorry, La Pantera, Luis Robert. Oh, I did it twice that time. Oh, fuck. I did it twice that time. Yeah, that, like, that was cool and tough. You, you might want to, you might want to continue on that one. I don't know if I could do the double arm roll. I, I, I just, I just did it. And I feel good about it. But, you know, with your pick, like, that dude is going to be the truth. We know that. Like, we, we, or we have that feeling, you know, he's going to be the guy. He's very talented. Steve, with Lucas Giolito, him being a dog and him finding that extra gear and being that ace on a World Series championship caliber team is awesome. Like, that's – I'm kind of going in your route, Steve, with a proven guy with Tim Anderson. I just I, – I feel like he is going to prove everybody wrong. And this year, he's already proved people wrong with his comments about Tony La Russa, how people have, you know, taken Tony, you know, being like, Oh, this is going to be terrible for TATA is like, I want to beat your ass. That is something I'm excited to see. 
How does he change his game? How is he with his teammates? What is the culture? And I'm super excited for uh, Tim Anderson this year. I, I And then, like, in a distant second place is, is Yoan Mankata because he got fucked last year, and a lot of people gave up on him. I think it's bullshit. I think that we don't know how COVID affects people, and it affected him in a very, very negative way. So I'm hoping he does well, too, but my pick is T.A., but that's all I have for this episode, guys. You guys got anything, you know, before we want to leave this shit out? Let's do our call-outs, man. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do our White Sox, our socks on tap call-outs, man. Our shout-outs, I'm sorry, not call-outs. This, this, is, not, this is not fucking wrestling. I'm going call- <laughs> to call you out, Steve, with my – you have 24-inch pythons. I have about one-inch python right here. So um, let's start with you, man. Who You got a shout-out today? I'm, look, I'm gonna have to give my shout out to my guy Sal. You know, he's uh, you know, o- always there with the, with the wrestling gifts. And he he had commented and he had sent me a tweet uh, a couple weeks back, uh, talking about the fact that he misses the back and forth with the NWO gifts after a White Sox winner. And and I tell you, man, that was one of the most fun aspects of the 2020 season right there. And just seeing the way that that thing kind of exploded once I started utilizing that Scott Hall, one more for the good guys gif in there. So I'm, I'm excited for that. So Sal, what up my man? And real quick here to, to Luke Taylor. Hey, listen, I've only been out drinking with Yoan Mankata in Scottsdale, Arizona. He and I have never been drinking in the region together yet to this point. Hey, there's, there's Sean Roberts. He's catching the tail end of the show. That's my shout-out. I actually uh, just had a conversation with him the other day. Uh, if you haven't checked out his stuff, that, I mean, that was absolutely perfect that that comment came in right there. Uh, I don't know if Sean was in here the whole time, but uh, I was going to shout out Sean. Uh, had, I had a question for Sean. He answered my phone call and, and helped me out with something. Uh, great dude. Love Sean. Uh, love what he's doing out there in Iowa, and uh, I wish him well. I hope that uh, when we do get back to the ballpark, uh, Sean Roberts, I, I want I owe that guy a beer. Um, I want to crack him with, with Sean and, and take in a White Sox winner. So perfect that that comment came in at the time it did. That was That was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my shout out today will be um, my dude, my homie. I I shout him out all the time, but he's my homie. It's going to be Jordan Miller. And also second shout out to Luke Taylor. Um, I've had, I've had really great times talking to those guys. Um, We're all excited for white Sox baseball. I told Luke, I was going to join the white Sox run club was going to start today guys. And I I hope you're proud of me. I want to get in shape. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that. Real I drank quick. too much before, last night. Didn't have before we, before we get any further. Like, yeah, I remember, and this is this is for the people that uh, that follow you religiously. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember a time around right when uh, the pandemic hit, and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I'm going to run. Uh, you were in the old house. You 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 got out. You tried to run for just a little bit. Yeah, you said you made it to the end of the block, yeah. and you felt like you were going to die. Yeah. Um, I saw you commit to the White Sox Run Club. What are we expecting? Like mile, a mile a day, a uh, block a day. No, where, I'm, where, I'm a, where's your, where's your physical fitness and where do you expect it to be at the end of the year? And I'm going to ask Steve the same question. Like Steve, if you were Buzz's trainer, I want you to give him like three pieces of advice. I'm in, I'm in terrible shape. Number one. Uh, number two, I'm, I'm really going to take it seriously. I'm going to fucking start running. I didn't do it because like, you know, you know, I go to bed super early. I've been on vacation this week. But uh, I was up with Luke and uh, Jim. I've got a treadmill in the basement if you want it. I will take it. Um, I was with Luke and Jim last night. We were sitting there just talking White Sox baseball and uh, Iowa Zach. We were, 
we, you know, we're just bullshitting about socks and other things. And I'm, I'm really going to take it seriously. I got some running shoes today. Um, I want to get, I used to run all the time, get back into it. And uh, I don't know how much I'll run. I don't know if I can hang with Luke or uh, our boy, uh, Steve O from Sons of Hanarchy. I don't know if I can hang with those guys, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, but yeah, that's it. And then if Steve's my personal trainer, I'm scared because I am the Scott Hall to his Hulk Hogan. So he's probably going to kick my ass. Can I be Scott Hall, Steve? Can I? Or because I mean, you're Hogan here, right? Uh, you know, you know, I hesitate to call myself Hogan because I mean, look, that you're talking rarefied air right there. So I'm talking um, goat status, bro. Yeah, that's. I mean, look, I, I don't know that I can fill those boots right there. You know, I well, mean, in my mind, you do. <laughs> well, hey, you're just a sweetheart right there. Um, Stop it. You know, you know, but I think I think my advice from from a personal training standpoint is, um, fuck running. I hate it. <laughs> That's like short, sweet, like, but I ain't running. You know, I did read it's actually horrible for your joints to run. I did read that. It um, is. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it is not, not good as they would say in the old country. <laughs> right. Well, I just drink a ton of beer. So like, I always thought that, that, you know, Hey, that'll, that'll do me some good, you know, but, um, I mean, shit, man, that's, that's all I got for this episode, dude. That, that That's all I got. Um, you guys got anything else? Or are we, are we cool to ride out to the sunset here? I think we're good to ride out. I don't know what happened there. We had, I, I I dropped for a second. I, I, I dropped. Saw, I, I dropped for a second earlier too. I saw. I saw, yeah. I saw a drop from you there. Uh, yeah. Would you like to ride it out with the uh, the John White Sox commercial where John grills a, uh, a a hot dog in his garage? I think that's a perfect exit for the show. That is a great exit. Before we do that, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at socks on tap at ontapsportsnet. Following Steve. I'm doing the NWO thing. You can't see it. Damn camera. Damn it. Anyway, follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Following Tony at Tony on tap. Nani's not here today, but following him at Nani Johnny and follow me at Buzz on tap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. We'll be back when we're back. Thank everybody for joining this live broadcast that we've done. We had a lot of viewers in here. We had a lot of uh, engagement. We really appreciate it. Want to keep that shit going on for sure. White Sox forever. For life. Echo everything Buzz says. Let's go, Sox. The one consistent thing about going out to a Chicago White Sox baseball game is that smell right when you walk to the ballpark of the onions and the hot dogs cooking in the concourse. And that's what I try to do when I come out to my man cave, my garage, is try to reproduce that same smell. So I get a little hot dog, I get the, get the onions going nice and grilled, put the dog on there. There'll be no ketchup in this house. Just mustard, Chicago way. Sox game starting. Got my hot dog. I'm about ready to go.